House Flipping HQ Podcast, episode 15. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Giving you the strategies, techniques, and inside secrets of house flipping from today's top house flipping experts. House Flipping HQ. Your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. What's going on, everyone? I hope you've had a fantastic week. Today, for me, is Christmas. You will get this recording two days after Christmas. I uh, Great day. I'm going to bust this out so I can get back to the festivities. Just got done putting together the most difficult trampoline in my life. Oh my goodness. It's like one of those new ones that have the weird white plastic things and no springs. Oh, so hard to put together. Uh, anyway, what did I get? My wife got me a new office desk chair. I'm very excited. My other one was very uncomfortable, really needed it. I got her some mountain bike shoes, the clip-in ones, so she's going to be a pro and be able to tear me up, so that will be fun. Later today, we're going to go uh, have a bonfire at the beach, uh, roast some hot dogs and have some s'mores, do a little paddle boarding, and tomorrow we'll do some whale watching, so that'll be fun. So just to make sure you know, episode 14, this is the second part of the Ginger Macias wholesaling mini course. Uh, The first part was episode 14. So if you haven't listened to that yet, listen to that first and then jump on back over to this episode, episode 15. If you listen to episode 14, you know that Ginger lays it out. So it only gets better in this episode. So really excited to let you finish it off and let's get a crack in. Hello, but I got a question for you, Ginger. Yeah. I had a guy, um, you know, with the competition with Robert, it was like, you're supposed to write something that you're going to do in your business today to either get your business started or to take it to the next level. And, you know, this guy, he wrote, um, and, you know, good for him for going for, he says he's going to start next year, but right now he's trying to think of his business name. And I was just like, you're thinking of your business name. <laughs> That's the one thing <laughs> you're going to do this week. And I was kind of harsh on him. Was I too <laughs> harsh? I mean, is that a legitimate thing? Or, I mean, do you need to go out and start? What are your opinion? Does someone yeah. go out and start a company first? Or do they start calling agents first and start making offers um, and get on this, Craigslist? But I always tell my students, don't sweat the small stuff. Do your first deal. Use that money to start your LLC or whatever type of company you're going to make. You know, just go and do it because it's so easy to stop yourself. So easy just to say, oh, well, I got to do this. I got to do And all of a sudden you're like yeah. three months later, oh, whoa, but I haven't started my calls yet. Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, 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 just do it. Just, you know, just jump in and just start making calls. That's okay. It. So, so after I wrote it, I thought, okay, well, how would this individual, you know, someone calls him, what would he do? You know, if he can't buy it in his name, he can't put the contract in his company and he didn't make a company. <laughs> what would he do? Yeah. No, no. Put the, put the, my first year, I had the, the contracts under my name. Okay, cool. So no yeah. big deal, right? That's what yeah. I think too. But, you know, I wanted to hear your personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, if you're going to do this as a business, be a business because uh, tax implications will kill you if you don't put it into a, an entity. For sure. So definitely, you know, but don't let that stop you. That's what I'm saying. Don't let it stop you. Just do, if you have to put it under your own name, put it under your own name, get that profit and start your LLC. And I see so many people who make business cards and start, don't get me wrong, you know, you said even business cards are good, 
they think of their company name and they do all this back end work and then they never get off the ground. It's almost like they get burnt out and then they, they go try to make like one offer on one house and it's like, oh man, I'm burnt out. Yeah, because you spent forever like designing a new office and Just a do it. business card and reading 10 books and you feel like you're being productive, but you haven't done anything that's really going to generate any kind of income for you or your company. So you're going to get burnt out. I tell you that when you close that first deal, that gives you some energy to keep going. You know? Oh, yeah. And then is there something magical about that first deal? Because, you know, you read about it. It's all theory. But when you get that money, you're like, it's real. Totally. <laughs> this is real. And if you you're know, whole, been, yeah. No, I'm sorry. If you're wholesaling it anyway, then who cares if it's in your name, right? I mean, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, okay. it doesn't matter. Just do it. And then and the thing is, once you do it and you get that money and you know it's real, it just, you'll snowball from there. You know, I've been doing this for five years. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I've been self-employed, you know, for over five years now. <laughs> you know, I have not been employed at all. Yeah, I've been yeah, taking care of awesome. myself, making even better money than I've ever had. You know, and, and, I, and I could do whatever I want. <laughs> I remember coming home from my very first seminar. I didn't have any business cards. I didn't have a website. Uh, but I sent out some letters right away. I ordered some bandit signs right away. And I went out and started knocking doors. And then later I got business cards and all that fun stuff. But you know what? Nobody cared. Like I, I, the, the point was I fell forward fast. I went, got going, and then I kind of knew what I needed, you know? Yeah. So yeah, just start, just start. But, um, but let's move on to the step two. This is your skill. This is your skill that you need to know backwards and forwards how to analyze a deal. Because if you don't know how to analyze a deal, you're not going to ever sell any properties because you say, oh, this is a good deal. And then your buyers are going to say, what? <laughs> Why is it a good deal? So here in the analyzing deals, you have to know your numbers. So whether that means talking to agents in the area, whatever, find out what that area is doing. So your primary goal is to find the after repair value. Okay, I see this a lot. People get confused about the as is value or the market value versus the after repair value. You're not, because remember, you're looking at distressed, beat up houses. So what you want to tell your buyer is, look, after you fix it up, this is what you can sell it for. That's why it's called the after repair value. Okay, so that is so important. So what you're going to be looking for in the area is the number of sold properties and have the same, you know, number of bedrooms, square feet, you know, the lot size, the area, because in L.A., you know, even street to street, it could be a really different area. So and then we're doing a lot of hillside stuff. So a lot of things are like, okay, this one has a view. This one doesn't have a view. So this is on top of the hill this is on the bottom of the hill. So, you know, even though close by is really different. So you have to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. Okay, so that that does take some skill and some practice to do. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. So don't worry. The first time I, you know, I was analyzing deals, it would take me like an hour or two hours. Like, is this a deal? Takes me like 10, not even 10 minutes now. And you got to look at it as you're learning. I mean, you're getting paid to learn. Basically, it's like hands on learning. You know, you go to school or college, whatever, for free for years. And then people get frustrated that it takes them a long time at first to learn. You know, it's like it's part of the process. Yeah, don't get frustrated because I, I sometimes I see my interns at the office, you know, they'll take like a long time looking at them and I can see them struggling, but I'm like, let them, you know, they'll learn. So I said, don't get, and I can see them get frustrated. I'm like, don't get frustrated. You'll get faster and faster and faster. Yeah, sure enough, they get faster and faster. So what are you guys using to analyze these deals? I know you mentioned agents, so you utilize local agents who know the area um, um, that you're in. Are you using MLS yourself or what do you, what so tools I'm using- do you use? I'm using Flipcom. 
I don't know if you heard that flip one. Comp. No, this is great. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. So flip. flip comp a lot. And uh, so to do the analysis. And then now Property Radar also has uh, a comparable tab. So I've been using Property Radar and Flip Comp at the same time. Okay, so Flip Comp. I'm looking that up right now. FlipComp.com. Right. What, what is that? How does that work? Uh, so they pull, they pull information from Can the Can you MLS. unplug that phone? <laughs> rip it out of the... <laughs> <laughs> let me see. Let me turn it down. But, um, but yeah, so what they do is um, they pull from the MLS. You know, so you don't have to have MLS access anymore. You know, as a wholesaler, I used to just have one of my broker friends give me access as an assistant and I would pay her, you know, for that access. But now, and I, but MLS is so not user-friendly. I hate it. And I hate the MLS. So this <laughs> one, you know, it's really user-friendly. You just, you know, because your main thing is just to find comps. You know, yeah, that's yeah. all you're doing. You're looking for comps. And well, so and keep I in mind, I mean, you're wholesaling this property. So ultimately, you know, it's the end buyer's job to make sure that it, it's a deal to them. And if it's not, you know, you're not the one closing on it with your money or your investor's money. Right. So. Yeah. And then, and the thing is too, like, if you think you made a mistake or whatever, your buyers will let you know, believe me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, you did it wrong, but then you ask them, okay, so what do you think it is? You know, why do you think that is, you know, so you get free education from your buyers, call them up, talk to them. Is flip comp. And cause I've heard, you know, I usually try to be pretty open because I'm learning new things all the time. I've heard a lot of people say nothing's as accurate as the MLS. Would you agree with that? Or do you think flip comp is comparable oh, to that? Is, no, flip comp is the MLS. They're, they're getting data from there. Okay. Yeah. So they just package it a little bit differently. And it's easier to use. Nice. So what is, is there like a monthly service for this or what? There's a setup and a monthly on it. And is this nationwide? Uh, was, they're starting to. They're putting different cities now. Yeah. At first it was California. Now they're kind of spreading to different cities. Okay. So cool. yeah, so it's pretty cool. And then uh, Property Radar, again, they're really good too. I really like that one. Awesome. Like both of them. And then so the thing when you're doing this analysis, you want to, there's three things you're looking for. You're looking for the time, place, and type. Okay, so for time, you know, I try to keep it within three months. And uh, when we were going on a declining market, man, I was out there, you know, I, I was like not even, a, I was just trying to keep it within a month because the prices kept dropping so quickly. Oh, yeah. And go farther out than, than a market. And then you, even in a declining market, you either need to adjust for how fast the market's declining or adjust something. <laughs> we would look at a lot of pendings too, a lot of pending sales because yeah. that was, was coming down a little bit further down the line. So, um, so yeah, so down markets, you got to be really, really tight on your analysis. But on a flat market, man, love flat market. So easy. You could go out like, you know, six months, eight months. I mean, flat markets are pretty easy to do. Yeah. Increasing markets, I like to keep it within three months still. And the place, you know, you want to look within half a mile of the property. But again, be careful. Do a Google drive-by. Okay. So just go to Google, type in the address, look at the street view. Because even like, for example, in Santa Ana, there's a street called uh, Flower Street. One side is like mansions and the other side of that street is regular houses. So they're within a half a mile, but they're completely different neighborhoods. Totally. Okay. So you really got to know your neighborhood just because it's within a half a mile doesn't mean anything. So like okay. Ginger said, you know, go to Google Maps. Is it googlemaps.com or maps, Google? Yeah. Something. Right. And so then you can see the overhead view and you can usually tell, or like you said, do a Google drive-by and you can see on each street, you know, is this house comparable to this other area? Yeah. So just be really careful on that. And type, you know, again, make sure like you're comparing a four bedroom to another four bedroom, not to a one bedroom, you know? So make sure that, that you're really out there getting the right type. You could, if they're the same size, you could probably get away with like a three or five bedroom if you're comparing it to a four bedroom, right? Yeah. So then when you get to the higher bedrooms, it's a little bit different, difficult to find comps. But, um, but so if you have like a one bedroom house, but you know, you could add two more bedrooms. 
right? So you're going for comps that are three bedroom comps. Once again, you said after repair value, and that is different depending on what you're trying to do. You know, if you're going to, sometimes we'll look at a house from a perspective of, okay, what will this house sell for if we don't add square footage? And what will it sell for if we do add square footage? And then we work our numbers, what will it cost? And then we can come up with our offer based on what route we, we think we'll most likely take. Yeah. So always do that. You're after repair value. Okay. So, and another thing to be careful too is price per square foot. So say for example, you know, all the neighborhood is a thousand square feet and then the house next door is 2000 square feet, right? You're not going to double that price. So, so say the house is selling for a hundred thousand. It doesn't mean the house next door is going to sell for 200,000. And a lot of agents will do that. So be very careful. You got to realize an agent is a person. I mean, they could have been an agent. They could have done one house. So... (laughs) And a lot of agents are like, oh, $200 per square foot. So <laughs> this house is worth, I'm like, well, where's the comps to support yeah, that? You know? Exactly. So be very careful on the price per square foot. Okay. So what I do is when, uh, remember, your buyers will um, love you if you give information. Okay. They want to move quick. So give them all the comps. Get, make a list of all the comps and uh, uh, and how much, like a formula where you're saying like $20, well, depending on the neighborhood, and about $20 a square foot, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So just use that kind of loosely. And, and then that would be your repairs. Plus, you know, the way I do it, I, I kind of do it by modules, you know, I'm like 5,000 for the heating and air conditioning, 5,000 yep. for plumbing, five, you know, 6,000 for whatever, 7,000 for the roof. So I just keep adding it up. Like exactly. That 8, yeah. for the kitchen, 2,500 for the bathrooms, you know, so I, so you add it all up. And so just keep it really, really simple, <laughs> you know, for sure. and then later on, you know, when your buyers go look at the property, especially when you're starting out, you know, you could say, well, what do you think the repairs? Did I come in close? You know, and they'll, oh, they'll tell you, okay, this is what I would say the repairs are. Mm-hmm. Or why? You know, so definitely talk to your buyers. Free mentorship. Talk yep. to your buyers. All right. So getting the contract, step number three. So once you analyze it or you find the property, you analyze it and you're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make an offer now. So what we do when we make an offer through an agent, I give them a sheet. It's called term sheet for my offer. And I just give them the MLS number, the address, our offer price, and the terms that I use. Okay, so I say like a day escrow, seven-day inspection, no termite, no loan contingency, no appraisal, appraisal contingency, you know, all cash. You know, we each pay our escrow fees. So those are the terms. So I give them that, and I say all my offers make those same terms. And I give them the um, – remember, you want to be as easy to work with as possible. Mm-hmm. Because if you're really easygoing and very organized, agents will love you. Okay. I'm going to back up just a tiny bit. Yeah. So before you give them all that paperwork with your offer, how do you come up with your offer? I know you, you come up with the ARV, the after repaired value, you figure out your repairs, uh, closing costs. Are you using like an 8% resale closing cost or how oh, much? Yeah. So let me go through that then. So right now, so we have, um, yeah, so we use 2% to close like on ours, like when we first buy it. When from you're buying the it. Okay. As the yeah, buying so side. Yeah. And then the selling cost we use is 9%. So 5% for the agent, 2% for closing costs, and 2% for any, oops, okay. <laughs> up any seller concessions or anything. So we're and, using- and that probably covers some holding costs because you have property okay. taxes and insurance and utilities. So it's total 9% selling costs. And you know we've been pretty right on for pretty much, the, the numbers come out pretty right on when we do that. So when we do that, when we have, so those are the costs you have to take into consideration. So we have, I'm sure you've heard of it already, maximum allowable offer. Yep, your Mayo. 
Yeah. So what you do, you know, you do like either depending on the market, you know, right now people are going really crazy high. Um, well, Justin, actually, as a rehabber, what are you looking for? Because sometimes we're doing, you know, 75 percent times the after repair value minus repairs. OK, so is that kind of what you use? You come you have the after repaired value. So if your after repaired value is 100,000, which I know this is a really low number. I'm just using this to get uh, easy numbers. <laughs> so if your after repaired value is 100,000, then you're doing 75% of that minus the repaired cost, correct? And then minus my wholesale fee. Minus your wholesale fee. Okay. So if it was $15,000 in repairs, you would be offering, you know, 75,000 minus 15, which is $60,000 minus 5,000 for your wholesale fee or whatever. I mean, if it's a higher end property, of course, you're probably going to, your wholesale fee is going to be 10 or $15,000, but so you're going to offer $55,000 on that property. Okay. Right. And then right now too, we also, the, my, my buyers, they use uh, cash on cash return. Okay, so some of them, when I ask them, well, what kind of cash on cash return do you want? They'll say like, okay, I want an 18% cash on cash return. With this market though, now they're saying 10% cash on cash return. So I could make that a little bit, maybe like an 80% instead of the 75% times ARV. Yeah, when they say cash on cash, are they talking about the total amount of money invested into the property or the total amount of money they have invested into the property? I know. No, so it's like if you're buying it all cash. Yeah, okay, and I do the same thing. So. Yeah, that air straight across. You know, when the market was on fire, we were willing to do, you know, 10, 11, 12 around there. Uh, with the, you know, with the, some people are unsure of what's going to happen with the market yeah. coming up. So we're trying to be closer to 13 or 14. But having that been said, you know, you mentioned that you use like an 11% total uh, cost because you do the 2% plus the 9%. Yeah. So we're actually using about um, a total of like 9%, unless we're in like a lower end area, then we'll use yeah. like 10 or less. So, so the actuality is even though, you know, that 10% that you're talking about, that would probably work for me because you're using 11% as your, anyway, so. Yeah, I had one of my buyers call me and say, oh, you're putting too much closing costs. I'm like, well, then that's more profit for you when you close. Exactly, <laughs> and, and you're right. And maybe someone, maybe you're off 5,000 in repairs or, Whatever. So at the end of the day, um, look, I'm your buyer, Ginger. That's all I'm trying to say. Just call <laughs> me, sell me everything. I'll even yeah. help pay for some of your marketing. Look at this. We're negotiating here live Ooh, on the call. And recorded now. All right. We'll have to talk. We'll have to talk afterwards. Yeah, that's cool. But Built yeah, that's, buyer. I know, that's a good idea. So you guys talk to your buyers. Yep. But yeah, so that's how I come up with my offer. And I also have, uh, actually, we're creating like a little online software right now to just that way people could just analyze property. Cause right now I have an Excel sheet where we just plug in, you know, three numbers, the purchase price, the after repair value and the repairs. And then we see if it's a deal or no deals. Cause we get tons of leads. So we had to go through them pretty quickly. So that's how we kind of um, figure things out pretty quick. So I just have an Excel sheet. We just plug in those three numbers and it calculates everything for us. Well, I'm all about, okay, you make your offers really quick up front to where you think, you know, you think you're going to be just fine, right? Yeah. And then if you get an offer accepted, then that gives you more time to go in and do some more thorough inspections. Exactly. Um, or you might get one of two things are going to happen. You either get it accepted or you get a counter or they ignore you completely. And then you got to follow <laughs> up, <laughs> which is usually the case. But either way, you can go back in. And if you have to, I'm not encouraging this, but if you have to back out, you can. Or yeah. negotiate. Yeah. Or, you know, if they come back and counter you, you can do some more due diligence, say, hey, can I come up five or $10,000? So just like the house I was talking about earlier, you know, I let, I let my cousin, my mom's cousin's wife know <laughs> that, <laughs> hey, she's like, hey, I got an offer at this price. You know, it was like 
385. And I ran some numbers. And I'm like, you know, without me even looking at that home, I knew I looked at pictures, you know, she sent me and I knew the area. We knew the ARV. I knew that we could offer 385. I knew it was going to be tight at 385. Yeah. So I wasn't like, yeah, we can do way more, but I knew we could do 385. And then so, anyway, uh, she didn't get back to me in time. Uh, and she, she said she was going to follow up with me, but I guess she got busy. And she's like, oh, we took an offer for 390. So I'm like, Ugh. anyway, I'm uh, digressing here. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just like venting, I guess. But <laughs> we'll, we'll do your therapy session later. Justin. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Alrighty. This is good stuff, Ginger. We're going long, but that's okay. You're bringing it. You yeah. are delivering. Yeah. I mean, once you have those, two, don't be afraid to, the, to make an offer. So on the contract, what I tell my my agents to put the only contingency, I don't have any contingencies, okay? Because when I was first learning, they're like, you could put like 10 contingencies on there to back out. To me, that looks like you're weaseling out of a deal. Yeah. So you only need one contingency and that's inspection contingency, all right? If you can't find a buyer for it because they're like, no, the wall's falling down or, you know, it's worse than we thought. We just say, you know what? We're exercising our inspection contingency. We're canceling the, the deal or we could renegotiate because we found something. And Robert said that exact same thing a couple of weeks ago. You only need that one contingency. So. Yeah, yes, it just need one contingency. And because yeah, when I first started, I had like ten. Totally. <laughs> but then I was like, why are my offers getting accepted? And I started thinking, well, if I got an offer like this, you know, I was like, man, they're looking for a way to back out of this thing. Okay, so all you have to do is just have one contingency, and then you send your buyers in, and they'll let you know if there's any repairs that are like really like, oh, the foundation slipped off, you know, <laughs> big thing that you didn't see on the pictures, you know. So I go back and say, well, the foundation's back, you know, we're either canceling it or if we can negotiate. Yeah, and then you know if they didn't disclose that to you, that's on them, right? Yeah. I mean, an inspection yeah. is there for a reason, it's so you can actually inspect the house. Yeah, so. that's all you need is inspection. Although lately I've been making non-contingent offers. <laughs> so well, no, well, well, you're right. I mean, you can still back out from. My, yeah, are we allowed we, to say this we, on the air? Your, I know. Can we say that? <laughs> if you don't put your money in, right, it's not really a, a deal yet. No, you're not going to jail. You know, you're not like for making an offer. Um, at least in California, is very pro uh, buyer. So basically, you can usually back out. <laughs> It was a low offer. I said, well, if you want no contingencies, I want a lower price, you know, and just looking at the pictures and stuff and they had an inspection report. I knew it was fine. Yeah. I said, but, you know, I want a lower offer. If we're going to go that we yeah. basically look at it as a 48 hour inspection period instead of a seven hour because you have like 48 exactly. hours to get your uh, yeah. proof of funds. No, not your proof of funds to get your deposit in. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So usually I'm like, uh, and I could push that deposit out more. So there's different forms that you could use. You, you know, if you're doing anything through the MLS or the, anything that's listed, your agent will write it up the offer. So you don't even have to even know how to fill out a form. I don't know how to <laughs> fill out a contract. <laughs> First time I read that agent form, I was like sitting in their office and read every single word. Oh my goodness. I was like, what am I signing? But, California you know, is like nine, pa eight or nine pages. It's pages. crazy. And then plus disclosures and all this stuff. And it's like 24 pages and crazy but the thing is you know just let them know your price and the address and that's it and they write it up for you Yep, and then the name that you want to buy it in or the entity so right so that's it and then now if you if you don't have an agent and you're going face to face with the seller a great resource to get well these are for california forms that are written by california real estate lawyers is first tuesday.us so you spell it out first tuesday.us and, uh, and you can download any single form that you ever need for real estate. <laughs> it's Perfect. You know, I've, I've heard of First Tuesday a ton. Kukin and Clark mentioned it when I spoke at their club a month ago. Yeah. And 
Um, I've heard of it a ton. I didn't know it was just in California. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's good. Yeah, it's all California forms, you know, but if you want to use it in another state, you know, you could retype it and then send it to a lawyer in that state and say, how's it look? Yeah, yeah, perfect. But I always tell people too, I mean, once again, I'm not an attorney here, but I mean, you can write a contract on a napkin, right? So, I mean, just write basically the property of the house, what you're going to pay, what your agreement is, uh, when you're going to close and sign it. Yeah, sometimes I don't even do that, Justin. Sometimes I'll call the escrow company and say, hey, I have a house. This is the price. These are the terms. Can you write it up? And they'll write up an escrow instruction and they have me in the buyer's house. And that's why I've heard other people do that as well. And that works just fine. So there's no contract even. So (laughs) Yeah, so I just call the escrow and I say, these are the terms that we want. And then she calls the seller up and then gets the paperwork. So don't let the paperwork get in your way. Don't let the money get in your way. Figure out how to get in front of sellers or agents. Start making offers. And you'll learn how to do that paperwork when the time comes. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know I'm not, some people are over analytical with that and that's not my personality yeah. at all. But see, that was my personality. I had to know every single line, what I was checking, what I was initialing. And it really stopped me. It really, really stopped me. And I ended up buying a course for $3,000 just to see, because I saw that they had forms filled out. <laughs> Let's do it, Ginger. Let's start okay. a new course and put some forms in there and charge three grand. <laughs> I know. Oh, but actually with Bruce Norris stuff. So I was like, cool. Oh. You know, I learned way more than forms. Yeah. And, uh, but yes, yeah, so and when you're talking with the seller, there's no wrong or right offer. Okay. What your goal talking to the seller is, what do they need? And meet that need. That's it. Okay, don't get all like, oh my gosh, what if they want a lease option or want to do a seller financing or the cash offers too low? Find out what they need. I had one uh, one of my wholesalers that we did a co-wholesaling with. He found the property really messed up. The seller, I mean, all she wanted was a pickup truck. So guess what she got at closing? A pickup truck. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, that's all she wanted from the deal was a brand new truck. And he got it for her at closing and that, that was it. You know, so he found that out by asking her, what do you need from the sale? And I want a pickup truck. <laughs> Love it. Okay, awesome. so you have to really talk to your seller and see what they need from it. And then and go ahead and do that. And then be really honest with them. You know, I have a, a form where I have uh, comps and everything for them. You don't want to make it seem like you're trying to cheat them. And you better not be trying to cheat them. Yeah. But be really honest. You know, let's say, you know what? Look, so what I do, I break it down. I said, look, this is the after repair value. These are the costs that, that it takes to fix it and sell it and hold it. And for my profit. And so this is why I'm offering you this cash offer. You know, when you're reasonable to them, they'll be reasonable back. Okay. Because if you just sent them the number, like I'm going to give you 150 out of a $300,000 house, they're going to say, forget you. But if you show, well, I need 100 in repair, you know, to sell it and to hold it and to fix it. And, you know, and plus my profit. And you let them know too, because, you know, this is my business. This is how I make money for my Mm -hmm. family. Right. And so people are understanding when you treat them like they understand. Right. And so you can, yeah, you can either go over like the after repair value with them or you can go over the as is value and then you subtract, Hey, this is what it would cost to pay agents and other closing costs. A lot of times they don't understand those closing and holding costs. So, yeah. Yeah, So just show them, you know, and and just explain to them why you're making that offer, you know? So I had one person say, well, my repairs are not that much. I said, well, we could adjust the price. And, you know, after we do our inspection, if this really isn't that much, then we could, yeah, for sure. We'll adjust it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, so people are pretty reasonable, you know, just treat them nice and with respect. Just be a real person. I like it. Yeah. So once you get that contract and you're like, whoo-hoo, right? Now you got to find your buyer. But actually, even though this is step four, finding the buyer, it actually should be your first step. Uh, you should find your buyer first. Like Justin, he's telling you what he's looking for, right? Goal, you know, find what he's looking for. If he's saying, I want this, you know, this type of property, I want this type of profit, this type of neighborhood, 
well, it's so easy then to go look for it. Okay, that's, that's a good point. They don't have to worry about what they're where they want to market, what they want to do. Just exactly, you know, just go out there. Just and go get me what I want. Exactly, take <laughs> order and go fulfill it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay, so way to find buyers is networking. Go to your investment clubs. Even if you're dead tired and you don't want to go, go anyway. Okay, go network, go make friends, and, and go find your buyers. Word of mouth, let everybody know what you're doing. I have houses for a discount. Okay, go to auctions. Go to the step house right there and the, the courthouse steps. And um, yeah, go find some buyers there. They, they're, they're cash buyers. They have cash in their pocket, for goodness sake. Go tell me you have better deals. Yeah, right? all day. Oh, all day long. You can sell houses down there left and right all day yeah. long. I'm like 90% after repair value. I'm like, hey, I got them at 80. <laughs> totally. 75%. What are you doing? Totally. Okay. So um, another thing is online. I'm a big proponent of online. Most of my stuff I get is online. Remember, these are systems. Okay. You're, you're trying to create a system of, of uh, getting buyers and sellers. So I have a, a Facebook page, you know, I say, oh, hey, you know, this is what I did today looking for houses. Oh, you're looking for houses? What Can you get me one? You know, so, you know, be like that. Talk on Facebook. Use Facebook as a business tool. Okay. Same thing with Twitter. Uh, Bigger Pockets is great to network there. Ask questions. Great way to learn is biggerpockets.com. Yep. Okay. LinkedIn, you know, do a professional page. And again, your own website. Get your website going. I get like two or three people signing up every day to my buyer list. Okay. And I'm not even, it's such an old, uh, a website. And actually I had uh, my, my new uh, partner, SEO guy doing it. <laughs> nice. So that's what it used to look like, I guess, before with the red and everything. But now he's like making it so cool. <laughs> awesome. And you improve as you go, right? You don't need to start. Oh my goodness. The first website I put up was a WordPress template. And I, that was like for like a year. I didn't know how to do it. But hey, I start. I, I still got people to sign up. So. <laughs> yep. Right. So yeah, use, use uh, get a website, get something like Aweber where you could get um, Aweber is a, a email marketing tool where once they sign up to your site, they could get automatic emails from you on a regular basis. And then when you get a property, you do an email blast to them and say, Hey, I got a property. Yeah. Okay. And it just looks way professional. And then it's better to have, you know, your name at your business.com. Okay. But again, don't let this stop you right now. Just keep going, you know, just work on this little by little. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to do everything tomorrow. Don't get overwhelmed. We're just <laughs> giving ideas. <laughs> exactly. And when you're giving your buyers the information for the property, remember, the more information you give them, the faster they'll move. Okay. I've had so many other of my wholesalers say, man, your buyers move so quick. How do they move so quick? I'm like, because I give them all the information and, I, and they know how to work with me. Okay. So I tell them, if you want this house, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And they're like, all right. So they look at the profit and I give them the profit, uh, the projected profit, cash on cash return, percent of the ARV, you know, and I break down the profit calculations and give them everything, the comps, you know, pictures reports if there's reports inspection reports i give them everything so yep. that way i tie it up in a pretty little boat and yep. if you want it great if not great you know if, so if i have all that information and we can usually decide within half an hour yeah my yeah. box so quick yeah seriously quick okay so and you need that because you don't want to wait if you have like a seven day or <laughs> two weeks to close right i mean yeah, and actually, you actually need a faster response because you have to get that earnest money in by, you know, like by at least three days. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, you don't want someone to wait a day or two to get back to you. And then you contact the next person. Yeah, right? so, yeah, exactly. So give them all the information. So once you have that and you say, OK, cool, I want that deal, you know, and, the, and your buyer wants it. So there's different ways. If you're just doing a standard sale, you know, it's not a bank, you know, dealing with the bank at all. You could just assign your contract. So that's another contract that you have. It's called an assignment contract. 
So that just says that I am selling my contract to this new buyer. And that's all it says. Okay. And in, in some disclosures, you know, like if, uh, if the title is not right, then we'll go ahead and cancel the contract. So, I mean, it has some protection for you and your new buyer. Okay. Um, and then how is their deposit protected? So they're sending the deposit into escrow, correct? Right. So what I tell my buyers is, you know, this is a non-refundable deposit. And the reason I say that kind of two things. Because there's a lot of so-called um, wholesalers out there who'll say, oh, I'm the buyer. So you get all excited, yeah. you have a buyer, and they're not a buyer. They're actually a wholesaler. Yeah. But say, okay, give me a $5,000 non-refundable deposit. Oh, well, I'm not the buyer. Right away, that'll weed out <laughs> totally. the wholesalers, right? So another reason I do this, too, is because I don't want my buyer to back out. So I yeah. say, well, do you all your inspections. Do whatever you need to do first. Once you're ready to move with no contingencies then I need that deposit into escrow is non-refundable. All right, Ginger, I'm just going to send you five grand right now <laughs> and then you'll have my deposit. And then when you have the house, you'll already have it. Sound good? Just negotiating here. Huh? <laughs> Negoti I'm just like, want to give you money. <laughs> How's that negotiating? <laughs> you're, on, you're on the top of my list then. Okay, good. Let's keep it that way. I mean, definitely, you know, that's, that's why I have a non-refundable just to make sure they're real and they're ready to go. Because there's even some buyers who will say, oh, well, I want a seven-day inspection period. But then what if they say no, and then you, you ran out of time? Yeah. So I just want everybody just to be ready to go, you know, just to close. And um, another way that I close, if you are dealing with the bank, okay, you're going to have to do a double close or a simultaneous close. So a double close means you close first, it gets recorded, then you sell to your new buyer. Okay, so you'll need transactional funding. And then just a quick tip, I didn't want to use transactional funding. I'm like, man, that's expensive. It takes too long. And I need it longer than a day. I need it for like a whole week. So I was like, wow, man, who do I know who has money? And I was like, oh, my list. So mm -hmm. my list has money. So I call, I, I send an email blast to my list. I say, who wants to lend me? I think it was like maybe like 200000 like, Who wants to lend me for $200,000 for the week? I'll pay you a point. Oh, my goodness. Everybody was like, yeah. So they lent me the money. I closed it. And then, and then um, that's all, you know. Well, yeah, you paying them a point, which translates to 1%. They're making 1% on their money. So they made two grand in one week on what, how much are they only $200,000? Yeah. $200,000. I just made him, you know, yeah. I, that, that return, that's like a hundred and uh, 4% return annualized return. Right. So yeah. they're like, yeah. So they're like, if you need it again, let me know. <laughs> yeah. So they're just sitting in the bank. I'm like, I need somebody who has money just sitting there. I'm like, Oh, my buyers. So, you know, so I used to say it was a lot easier, you know, and then sometimes though, you might want to use a simultaneous close where you use your buyer's funds to close your deal, it gets recorded, and then they, it gets sold to them. So I have a whole video on that. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain over the, uh, the line here, because you know, I have a nice board where I'm drawing it out and stuff. But, um, but you can look it up, simultaneous close. And so those are the, you know, the main three ways that you can close. You know, there's a Perfect. lot of ways, but those are the three main ways that you close a deal and you get paid. Man, and that when you get paid, I love it. We, you know, and once you build relationships with people, this is more advanced, but there are guys right now that I trust so much that I will, I'll send the whole 200 grand. I'll close the deal. It's in their name. And, um, you know, then they deed me over the property and then it's in my name. Right. Yeah. And I pay them their fee. So with me, I was like, Oh man, they must trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that with you, Ginger. You're, you're up there. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, it's because yeah, they're like, no, nah, I don't want to do all that. Here, just put it, close it. And then we'll... 
sign it to me later. I'm like, so I'm, I'm, I will do that with people that I know and trust personally. And if I'm kind of in the middle, I'll make them give me the deed ahead of time so I can go straight and record it. But you know, once again, everything you hear on this show is, you know, we're just basically two people talking here and letting you listen in. Uh, but you know, everyone put on your big boy and girl pants and, you know, no, (laughs) don't come back to us and say, Hey, you know, if you need to talk to an attorney, talk to an attorney, whatever, do your due diligence. I'm washing, I'm washing my hands. Simultaneous clothes were a big no, no. When I first started, well, actually my first two deals were simultaneous clothes, but with, with the short sales, um, so many frauds, a lot, a lot of fraud was going on when the market was crashing. So everybody stopped simultaneous close. It wasn't until like the last couple of years they came back again. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I I was doing short sales, you know, at the beginning too, and it got really dicey, which is part of the reason why I got out of that. We were doing the simultaneous close. And, um, but then you mentioned the video and it's a long, I'm like, okay, <laughs> is that just <laughs> yeah. a video like on your website or what? Yeah. Yeah. It's on my membership site. Oh, okay. The membership site. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's a long, it's kind of hard to explain what that, like a board, you could, I, I draw it out. But the thing is, uh, yeah, it was not doable anymore. I mean, it, it's not illegal. People are like, oh, that's illegal. It was not illegal. It's just that the title company wouldn't uh, insure title anymore totally. uh, doing that way. But now it, it's fine again. It came back. Awesome. So, uh, so we're doing that again. But yeah, so that's how you close the deal. Okay. And you know, when you get paid, and sometimes too, I don't even get a check and I don't even have to go to the bank. It just shows up on my bank account. Awesome. Actually, I prefer it to have it wired. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, spendable. It's spendable already. So let me just give you a couple of tips before we... So we went through the five steps, right? Yes. Really quickly. <laughs> I know we went kind of fast. But those were the five steps, all right? But I'm going to give you some tips right now to be a pro, okay? Because this will separate you from the so-called wholesalers out there. And it will just bump you up, okay? So, def- so number one is work hard for your money. So what that means is if you get another uh, deal from a wholesaler, don't just hit the forward button to your buyer and say, pay me $5 for this deal. All right. That is such a no, no. Do your own homework. Do your own comps. Don't rely on the other wholesaler because what if they're wrong, right? You're putting your, your reputation on the line. And I will blackball wholesalers left and right. And if I get a deal that looks like garbage, I'll never talk to them again, basically. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even open their emails anymore. So no, I... don't want that to happen to you. So do your own work, do your hard work, and to ask them, you know, are you going to split the fee with me or should I add like a small fee on top? Yeah. So um, that's how you work it. Okay. Because don't just forward. I, I get that all the time. A forward email. Even have the other person's email still on there. And they forward the email and say at 5000 And the funniest thing is sometimes I get my own deals back to me. And then <laughs> like 10000 15000 The highest was 50000 Somebody added 50000 to one of my deals. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> they kept all my analysis the same too, which is funny. I'm like, uh, what? That's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and do your homework. No daisy chains, okay? So you can work with another wholesaler and that's it, okay? Don't work with a whole chain of people in the deal, okay? No. Uh, don't be greedy. Okay, so when I say add a small fee, you know, it needs to work for your buyer. Okay, if the end, if you only can add a thousand, well, hey, that's a thousand bucks you didn't have, right? So whatever, don't get greedy. Well, thousand dollars you now have in a relationship that you've built and an experience that you now have. I mean, to me, saying you've done it, that's just as powerful as or more than the money that you make from it. And you can do it again and again and and increase those fees as as you get better. 
Um, and one of the most important thing is to make lots of friends. Okay. So as a friend, you know, you're not going to cheat them. You're, you're going to treat them well. You're going to respect them and they're going to respect you back. So make friends, go out there and make friends and solid connections. And that's the whole industry. Actually, any industry is about making friends. And word gets out. Tell you what, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know people that I've heard don't trust this guy and it's a small community. I mean, all throughout Southern California, think about it, Ginger, how many people do you and I both know? that are investors in Southern California, a huge place yep. because yeah. it, it becomes very small it as you get to know small. people. Especially if your reputation is bad, it's even smaller. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. And have a professional image. You know, I see this all the time where like the email is, you know, whatever at, or, or actually there would be like, I think the worst one was something baller or, or Shelly shampoo or, you know, <laughs> at, you know, AOL or whatever, you know, so just be really careful. How to be professional. Okay. Just be, I mean, at least have your name in it at Gmail. Be very professional. Um, another thing is to listen to your sellers, to your buyers, to your, you know, anybody, listen to them and what they need and fulfill that need and you'll be successful. And my last important thing is continue learning. Okay. Like Justin's website, man, he has a bunch of stuff on there that you should read and and continue learning, okay? Because there's never you never stop learning. Let me just say that. You need to continue learning, okay? If you think you know it all, then uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to last too long. <laughs> okay, but that those are my tips, you know? So awesome. thank you, Justin, for having me today. Ginger, boy, you over-delivered. You said you were <laughs> going to deliver and you brought it. I learned a ton. I'm just going to have, you know, Vanessa listen to all these calls. and <laughs> All right, get to work, Vanessa. Get to <laughs> work. <laughs> What's that? You are bossy. <laughs> I'm not bossy. I just get people to do things. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Oh, okay. But no, no. Thank you, Justin. This is fun. Ginger, how can um, people connect with you? So if you're a buyer, you can go to ocwholesalers.com and you can sign up for my property uh, alerts. But I don't know because Justin's going to get all my properties now, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so... But yeah, they go to OC Wholesale. But it'll be fun for them to get some deals and they can practice analyzing and think they have a chance. And then, <laughs> and then uh, if you're a student and would like to learn more, I have a, a new site. It's realestateinsiders.co. And I have some free videos on there that you can check out. Awesome. And Ginger, you know, I've talked about this before. Most people I bring on, they're just people I know doing the business. And a couple of people occasionally do have a coaching program or something or another. But And there's nothing wrong with someone getting paid to make a little bit of money. We were kind of joking about earlier, Ginger. Uh, you're like, so do you like what you're doing? And um, I'm like, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. <laughs> I actually made some money from it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we do it because we love it. And sure, the goal is to be able to make a little, you know, a business isn't a business. It's a hobby unless you're actually making some money. So Ginger is one of those coaches that is, as you can see from all the information she gave here, uh, she really is a great coach. So I don't recommend very many coaches or uh, courses or anything to people, but she's definitely one of those. So check her out. If you want to learn more about wholesaling, um, she's got a lot of great stuff. Uh, all right, Ginger, you rocked it. Thank you so much. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, Have a great too. 2014. Bring me those houses. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, let's and, talk. And it's on. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Did Ginger not lay it out there or what? <laughs> if you liked what you heard or have any questions or comments, please head over to HQ.com slash episode 15. Give Ginger some, some love. I mean, 
you know, these guests come on here and they just give it. And I'm so grateful for their generosity uh, in sharing with me and you and the entire House Whipping HQ community. So hop on over there, let her know how much you appreciate it. And she would love to answer any questions you have. This is the final announcement for the Ryan Scala Marketing Madman Machine Competition. Head over to HQ.com slash episode 13 and leave your biggest marketing challenge. And Ryan will hop on there and give you some feedback. He will help you resolve that challenge. And then we will pick two lucky winners who Ryan and myself will have a 20-minute phone consultation and see how we can really help you with a marketing plan for 2014 and the upcoming weeks, months, or whatever you need. Uh, and then there'll be a couple follow-up emails as well. So go to housewomenhq.com slash episode 13, leave your comment, and this will be the last announcement because we are going to, the competition goes up through the end of the year, and the next time I see you will be New Year's Day. So it'll be 2014. 14. Speaking of 2014 and the new year, we have a really special surprise for you next week. A lot of you have been asking about my assistant, Vanessa. How'd I find her? How'd I train her? What does she do? How does she run my entire business? Um, we're going to bring her on. It's funny, just I was just talking to her two days ago. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, because she's, she's at her mom's for the week for Christmas. She's still running my business, but she's at, at her mom's and out of town. And I said, hey, uh, just so you know, when you get back on Monday, I'm going to interview you. And she, <laughs> I think I may have ruined her Christmas. <laughs> She's actually really excited, uh, but she doesn't do a ton of public speaking and never done you know, interviews like this. So it'll be, it'll be really exciting. We're going to go over how I hired her, uh, how we work together, the things that she does. And then we're also going to get into goals and what our goals are for next year. Some of the things that we've accomplished this past year how we're going to try to improve, and some things that we think you can implement in 2014 to really either take your business to a whole new place or start your business if you haven't got going, and how you can really uh, change your life, literally. So I'm really excited about that, really looking forward to that. Hope everyone, once again, has had a great Christmas. Hope you have a great new year. Just, I don't know, I'm just really excited for what the future holds, and we can't wait to be with you on your journey in 2014. I think some great things are going to happen here on House Whipping HQ, as well as with you personally. Thanks again for all your support through the last couple months. Can't thank you enough. It really means a lot to me. And we really have some exciting things uh, planned for the months to come. So let's keep rocking. And with that, I bid you farewell. Until next time. Have a fantastic week, and we will see you on the flip side. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com. Dot com.